Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, everybody. Locked On Browns, your host here, Jeff Lloyd. Um, guys, like I said, we weren't going to slow down. And look, I mean, uh, we're, we're still getting a ton of listens. We're going to actually get a, even a lot more listens right now. So, I mean, you know, normally we can tone down the schedule once you kind of hit the off season. Uh, look, as you guys know, this is my little break, uh, you know, from the sorority house I live in. So, uh, as long as there's stuff to talk about, you know, we'll keep recording. I mean, obviously, there'll be some nights here and there where we take off or whatever. But, you know, I know i got some parent-teacher conference nights coming up, and uh, those are always swell, swell times. Um, but, you know, we got, there is stuff to talk about. I, you know, last night, look, we had Mark Schofield on. We did some quarterback assessment with Mark, did some playoff talk. Uh, might as well do some running back assessment talk here. You know, and just some early stuff. This is, you know, all the positional groups we can, you know, close in again on. Obviously, a little bit towards before free agency and then a lot more, you know, towards the draft and during the draft and, you know, start to establish holes and needs that this team is going to have when they, fi- you know, as they get to a finalized 53. Uh, but, you know, we're going to we're gonna do running back. We're going to have Pete Smith on. Obviously, you know, uh, Nick Chubb, uh, you know, a-, a draft win for Pete. Uh, you know, Sony Michelle's just going to go and set an AFC playoff rushing record this postseason though so then you know Pete will have to be quiet again for a little bit but you know it's just the way it's going to be guys um Pete uh always glad you could join here guys obviously read the work over at NFL Spin Zone I mean everybody's favorite follow on tweet is Pete and it got a me into a a lost a lo- you know almost a Hiram vortex like today so thanks for that let Pete. me ask you a question Friday yes sir would 2019 money's not a question who would you rather have on the Cleveland Browns Jarvis Landry or Breon Batty Calhoun Oof. Uh, we're we're counting the money involved. No, no money. Well, I get it's to money. I get to I get to I get well, exactly. I, well, I mean, it, well, I, I get to not have fifteen million, and I get a really really good guy who can play multiple positions. I mean, I'm gonna have to kind of look at it, but even still, I'm I, if I can get Body Calhoun for four million and pocket the other eleven, yes, absolutely. See, this but is that's my high. Problem, and you, that's you had to, look how hard you had to think about this, and I'm not uh, even making the money effect. But no, by all means, people who listen to the show, tweet tweet your answer at uh, Lockdown Browns. This is this is this is the Pete problem. Smith. Body Calhoun or Jarvis Landry? Who would you rather have? The money's not even a question. Just who would you rather have on this football team? I'm taking the the guy who's a fantastic slot corner and backup free safety over Jarvis Landry. And the fact that you had to think that hard about it, it's tough. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it, it, yikes. Well, I mean, because, you know, if we get back to the, not to put too much on this, and we'll go on it real quick. But if you get to the amount of targets, and this is one of the things that, guys, we've been talking about the last couple of days. And look, Landry's, his numbers are his numbers. And but there were some things we told you. His numbers were not going to be what they were. They weren't. There were other some things we told you guys. His best games, most likely, were not going to be in games they won. One of his best games of the season, Tampa. They went. Um, I'm trying to think here. Uh, you know, had a good week one against Pittsburgh. They didn't win. Um, I will give him credit, uh, you know, although some of it was on, you know, the nice counters. He had a big day, obviously, Carolina over, uh, you know, over 100 total yards, two touchdowns. So there you go. There's a win. But you look at a lot of these games, and I'm pretty sure it's the Falcons game. Obviously, you know, Browns won kind of handily. Two for nine. So, uh, you know, a lot of the things we said, I mean, and look, you know, obviously Pete's always going to take things a little more to the extreme than me, but kind of one of some of the things we agreed on, we told you with this guy, and this would have all been fine if it's not to the point where you're paying him $15 million, Pete. 
Well, I mean, this is the problem. I just and I and I hate the well. It's well, who cares? They have a lot of cap space. Well, these don't have to be stupid. You know what I'm saying? If you know, if I've got five hundred million dollars, I'm not going to buy thirteen cars because I can. You know, just because you have the cap money doesn't mean you have to give it to a guy who's not going to you know give you the return of it. Well, the larger question is going to be next year is if they resign Brashad Perryman and he's. Well, see, that's the part we're going to have a tough time on because I, I it, think me and you are going to have a tough time where the money and how that contract's going to work. But if you have Callaway make it through the offseason and he comes back, see, well, that, playing, exactly. He's got to get 35 to 40 more targets. Higgins has got to get 35 to 40 more targets. David Njoku has to get 20 to 20. And then we haven't put Paramin underutilized. And Paramin, at least, you're going to give him 30 more. So you know, even if you just keep him in you, that role. And if Higgins is, you know, if this isn't like a, you know, a fluke of some time, I don't think it is, then you have all these guys back plus Nick Chubb. And and the question you come down to is I have five skill players on the field. Who am I putting out there and who's not out there? And you find pretty quickly that you have a problem. And his name is Jarvis Landry and he's $14 million potentially on the bench. Well, it, well that's the thing though because, I mean – if it all works the way it should, and guys, we're not even talking about another receiver being bought in in this mix, because somehow or another, there's going to be another wide receiver. Because look, I mean, with almost every one of these positional groups, everybody we're set there. No, but you're you're not, because now you're to the point where if there's a guy you really like and he really fits, you're going to go depth, and you're the same reason Austin Corbett didn't get a start this year. Eventually, you're just going to bring guys in. And realize that they might not be playing right away. So look, I mean, just because you're going to still upgrade those last 10 slots. So you're going to bring in another good receiver. But in me, for Pete, it comes down to just the targets, though. You're going to pay, what, $14 million and change for a guy, ideally, you want to see 40 to 60 targets. You want to almost, I don't say you want to take half away, but maybe 45%. Ideally, yeah, you want to take 45% of his targets away, but you, you would still have to be on the hook for $14 million. Right, and and that's you know it's bad business. It's it's bad business. It's also just you know, and the other part is I don't think he fits Baker Mayfield at all compared to these other guys, which is going to be an issue. I think I mean the only area where there seemed to be some good was you know, uh, you know the Baker rollouts and Jarvis running you know a, a nice you know ten to fifteen yard out that seemed to be something good. But no, I mean for the most part you know the short underneath stuff. And once this offense got humming, what did you see? Baker didn't want that. If we can go deep, we're going deep. Right. So you send like Perryman and Callaway down the field, and you open up our opportunities for Higgins and and, and, and Njoku, and, and then Duke. Duke obviously has to, you know, and they and they did the last month of the year. Uh, he was getting more and more run, but I mean, the, those guys are just better at what you want Landry to do, in my opinion, and based on the numbers. But uh, you know. Maybe he'll come back and suddenly, you know, the, a number of things will go wrong and, and Landry will go well, right. Well, well it, I mean, there's the factor. I mean, you know, it, you know, I mean, the only option is is to, to trade him. But the other thing, though, is, you know, if you're looking at it from where me and me and you are looking at it from, what are you getting? I mean, the way we're looking at it, because like everybody knows what's going on. All right. Well, you're paying him 14 million. You obviously severely want to cut, you know, with the production out of them. You know, is you know, am I gonna am I gonna make the move for a sixth round pick? Probably not. 
or 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 or, or, or a pick for. See, but now we'll always get excited because we're talking picks. Or well, no, a conditional my, my, pick. My, my well, honestly, well, here's what you would do then: you move him for a conditional pick in twenty. Because look, if you want him, obviously you need somebody to give a shitload of targets to. So he catches eighty balls for you. You know, it's a fourth right. or a that, third round pick. And then my you, worry is if. You get to a situation and Jarvis Landry's not in the offense to the point where he thinks he should be, uh, and he's unhappy. And now what? Are you getting? Are you get? Are you getting those speeches anymore? I, I right. don't think those speeches are coming. Now anywhere. becoming a negative influence, which is whether you want to believe Adam Adam Gase, who's apparently a legendary asshole, or not. One of the reasons that was cited when they got moved on from from Landry and other guys like Sue and and others was the culture. So there's the you know everybody talks about well he's great and he does all these things that they can't really prove but let's say he does at the same time you have many examples where things weren't going his way and it was a problem. Is it going to get to a point where now uh you know he may not be, you know, Antonio Brown type fit, uh, but if he does, certainly there's less to defend with, uh, you know, at least from the Cleveland Brown standpoint than there is for an Antonio Brown. So, you know, is is the fear is that you keep him and suddenly these things become a problem and now he's a drag on the locker room as opposed to just being fourteen million dollars you're not getting much for. Well, and but here, I mean, it, it just you know another way to spin it, you know, so we're not absolutely slamming Jarvis Landry. I mean, the guy's numbers. I mean, he's put up very good numbers in this league, and there's places he could go could succeed. But he's kind of become the old man of the room at only 26 years old. You know, Njoku, freak athlete. Obviously, we know Antonio Callaway. You know the ability he's bringing to the table. You know Higgins. Uh, I mean, you know, it seems like he's running a lot of the same routes that Jarvis Landry is, but they're run with more Christmas. They're run quicker there's better break uh i mean he becomes out of the you know like you said five guys on he becomes the least athletic you know if he were the you know as the sixth he's out due to athleticism and you i mean almost everybody are just bigger and stronger in you know whether it's Najoku and you know obviously paraman if he stays you know higgins is even bigger i mean just he be there's a lot of ways where he becomes the odd man out and the old guy of the room real quick and he's only 26, so that is That's weird. The, he he does feel like the oldest 26 year old on the planet, and it's like you know what I always like. Anytime you know baseball, here's a chunk. Here's a little overweight lefty. What do they call him? The crafty vet. Jarvis Landry yeah. is 26 years old, and he feels like the crafty vet. He is he's definitely the crafty vet, which is you know that's the funny thing. And that At part 26. Yeah, that part's that part. He does feel like he's 33 years old, and and you know that's just who he is, and certainly that. Obviously, he, the age is not something you can hold against him because I know I'm going to hear about this. But no, he just feels like he's the old man, and it's not. And, but, but literally, he is though. I mean, well, I they, think even yeah. Paraman's younger than him. I mean, almost. And it's weird at 26 years old, you know that you know he's basically you know, the, the top of the food chain as far as you know you know obviously you know career length everything else, and he's only 26 in his fifth year. Right. So I mean, look. Uh. You know, I I play it up as a bit in part, which is funny because people go for it every time, and there are people who respond to me and and laugh at it because they know exactly what I'm doing. 
but uh, no, I mean the numbers are the numbers. They're hard to get away from. And and whatever you think of Jarvis Landry, whatever you thought he was going to bring to this team, you cannot tell me that you are, are coming out of the season going, I have no problem with the fact that this dude was outproduced, at least from an efficiency standpoint. And and I think if he was healthy the whole year, may have been from a raw production standpoint. That Jarvis Landry was outproduced by Richard Higgins. Don't tell me you're okay with that. You can try to spin the other bullshit about, you know, and and, and I, I, you know, the the tiger repelling rock. I'm a hundred percent, you know, satirical with that, but in part true that, like, there's this idea, that, and there are people who are genuinely afraid that if the Browns get rid of Jarvis Landry, things will go back to the way they were, as if Miles oh. Garrett. Joel he's carrying Pacone. the potion. He's yeah. he's carrying the potion, the secret potion. As if Jabril Peppers, as if Baker Mayfield, as if all these players they've got are going with him. It's 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 generally it's genuinely hysterical how much of a mythology has been built up out of you know a couple clips from Hard Knocks. <laughs> it is funny how it works out. I mean, there's just no way around it. Um, guys, like I said, we're listening to the Locked On Browns podcast. Uh, well, we're, we're going to get to that running back assessment here in a minute. Um, like I said, tonight we are brought to you by MyBookie.com. We're going to give you a little uh, AFC, NFC playoff thoughts. Obviously, we're not going to go nearly as deep you know, as we did week in, week out with Browns games. Uh, but MyBookie.com, if you're looking to make a wager here, guys, I, this is always when I enjoy, and even if it's small, uh, I enjoy betting the playoff weekends. Obviously, it's, it's simple. There's nothing else to focus on. Uh, four games is a lot easier to go a little bit more in-depth on who you want to put some money on. That's where MyBookie.com comes in. Um, guys, who you're betting your money with is always uh, almost as important as who you're betting your money on. So that's why I'll always recommend MyBookie.com. Uh, they've been in the game, uh, been in business for years. Their online reviews are fantastic. The mobile i mobile site is simple and easy to use. They have in-game live betting, over and under fantasy points scored, and the most rewarding player work perks in the business. MyBookie.com is currently slammed with new memberships. So guys, create your new account after 7 p.m. Eastern. They will give you a free $25. Capital L, capital O, locked on 25 is your promo code there. MyBookie.com, M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E.com. You play, you win, you get paid. Pete, let me grab And Pete, here, one other one uh, I did forget to bring up, guys, and I promise we're done here. Uh, the Houston game, Jarvis Landry. Huge, huge day. Again, most of his big production days, guys, were in games that didn't result in Ws, and this is one of the things we told you. But we're going to move on to running backs. Um, well, let's see. First seven weeks, Pete. Uh, Carlos Hyde. Those are fun times. Yeah, I mean, if you ever needed a reason to to, to substantiate why uh, Hugh Jackson and Todd Haley were fired, I mean, it, it starts there. I mean, the fact that we knew, I mean, I knew from mini the, the mini camp I went to uh, that Nick Chubb was the dude. I mean, he was playing at just a different speed. Uh, Carlos Hyde, I don't know. Maybe he gave them some words of wisdom and whatnot. But the fact is, he was never as good as those the other guys. And I give John Dorsey a ton of credit because it's an absolute steal. They they got a fifth round pick for for uh, Carlos Hyde to the Jags. Um, but he, to me, he always made more sense as a closer than he did as a a full time running back. Like I always thought. God forbid the Browns had a lead in the fourth quarter, which at this point, uh, <laughs> well, was, maybe that, maybe that was just crazy thinking as it was. But at the time, <laughs> it was was 
you know, a dream that, you know, we had yet to be realized. But I always thought if you if you got a lead and you were in the third and fourth quarter, that you could put Carlos Hyde in there or short yardage, you know, and just let him sort of wear on defenses with a fresh set of legs. But if you're just saying there, we're just going to slam this dude into the hole over and over again, it didn't fit what the Browns' offensive line was good at. It didn't fit the a rookie quarterback by any stretch just because he was a plotter, so all they had to do was sit – Mm-hmm. Uh, they didn't have to worry about him breaking big plays. It just set up a wall type thing. So it just never made a lot of sense. Uh, and, and you know, I said it before the offseason. A lot of people gave me crap for it, and I was, of course, validated. Is Isaiah Crowell was a thousand times better than, than Carlos Hyde. It's just that Carlos Hyde was really reliable at the things he did, and Isaiah Crowell was far more of a wild card, but the wild card occasionally made plays. So... I mean, it's not Hyde's fault. He didn't put himself in there, uh, and and it, you know, it's a happy ending. It's 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 in so many ways. Carlos Hyde has become like Tyrod Taylor, where you you you're basically it, it feels so long ago. You almost forget it was this season that Carlos Hyde was a running back, in part uh, because it was that long ago, and because Nick Chubb has been that good that it's easy to forget about. You know. Uh, Hyde or largely the past you know 15 years other than like Jamal Lewis and and that year of Peyton Hillis where you've had a back that just could do what what Chubb is capable of uh I think there's two things that come up in my mind uh I kind of think about the movie Vacation where Chevy Chase is you know Sitting there, and it's the first time Christy Brinkley comes by in the Ferrari, and he's sitting there next to the blue, the you know uh, aqua blue, uh, whatever it was, the uh, aqua blue truckster or whatever, and he sees Christy Brinkley with the Ferrari. Yeah, it's the pretty girl, but it's also the Ferrari. I don't know how after the Oakland game they went back and for let's see, that was week four. So what for uh, for three more weeks? Go back in and say, you know what, we're still good with Carlos Hyde. And I think it was one of his last games, Pete. And we were we did the post game, and I was remember, and he had like a seventeen or eighteen yard run early. And it was like, Pete, I think he was almost going to do enough to shut me up today. And we were going through it in the pregame, and still had an eighteen yard run, and still finished with three point seven yards per carry. It was just, I mean, how it went in. I mean, it's a miracle how it went on so long. Um, yes, getting the fifth round pick, uh, great. But uh, Pete, let's get to it here. Uh, you know, Nick, obviously. Look, as much as we, you know, we had fun with it, you know, I, I think you appreciated Sonny Michelle. I obviously I, I appreciated Nick Chubb, but and but now to get to talk to people in the building and you know having Nathan Cigar is like, dude, you don't get it. He's like, they call him old school. It's like all, to have him, and he is a ridiculously good athlete, which I think a lot of people underestimated. Hint, hint to some of the guys that me and Pete may talk with on a daily day basis on social media. Um, I think they. Didn't bring in that, but then when you hear that he's old school, that it's like he he practices Wednesday, like it's pregame on Sunday, and you put that stuff together, and you know, and the other one was always, you know, no, 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 Chubb can't play his pass blocking. Well, he seemed to pick up that pretty goddamn quickly. Um, let's see, you know, he's a guy who works hard, he's got talent, uh, he was certainly strong enough, so it was all a question of just learning his assignments and learning them quickly, which you know, obviously didn't turn out to be that much of an issue, and then just, but everything else, I mean. And I'll still go back to the 92-yarder, and it was just... And I think that was just a coming-of-age moment, I think, because you knew... Obviously, at that point, you know, Baker was established. But it was like, all right, now you got your back. 
And Callaway, you know, a, a guy who had a little bit of a, you know, obviously his personality, whatever it is off the field. But he wanted that. He, you know, he wanted it for the team. He wanted it for Nick Chubb. You know, literally sold out. There's the lane you run to. I'm going to get this last block. And I, I think that that run, it's pretty big in this season, that 92-yard run, because it, you know, it just showed the progression of, look, I mean, there's youth here. We knew the defense had it. We knew it. But now it was the offense has it, and the, and they're doing something with it. And it was like, all right, now there's almost an equal playing field here, and we're getting a team thing. And it, that Nick Chubb play, that's one thing that sparks me through this 2018 season. He set a record against the Raiders with the three carries for the 100-and-something yards and two touchdowns. Um you know, again, I don't know how he only had three carries. I don't, three. Uh, you know, and in a and, game and, that got tight later. In a game that and, got tight and, later. And it's, it's look, thinking back on it, it's genuine. It's it's adorable to think that people were saying you couldn't get this guy in the field because of pass blocking, and then you know you couldn't you couldn't throw the ball to him. He can't catch. And, you know, both of those proved to be crap. And, and granted, don't don't get me wrong. Pass blocking is one of the harder things to pick up. That takes time. I don't doubt that that was something no, but, you I mean, this is, But this but is also – hand him the ball yep. and he would go. Like that just – like this idea that, well, they, they couldn't do it because they knew he'd run it. They, yeah, he ran for 100 yards on three carries. Clearly this wasn't a problem. Um, you know, he but set see, a record no, but, in that but Here's game. the one he, thing, he though. Said, but the he one set thing. the long, longest run, you know, in franchise history. Yep. He 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 he's getting compared his rookie numbers to to Jim Brown. I mean, you know, what what else does he need to do? But the, see, this is the thing, and this is you know kind of what bothers me a little bit with some of these elite running backs, and they say this when they come into the league is, you know, and, and this is what exactly what you're just saying is like, oh well, you know, th- th- these guys don't pass block much. No, because they're really good. They get the freaking ball when they're on the field. Why would you waste the pass blocking? You know, so, yes, he's got to learn a new system, and he's got to learn who he's got to pick up, just like every other good. But, it, you know, if you're good usually in every phase, and a guy like Nick Chubb and the weight he moves around in the weight room, that shows you a dedication. So this was just of, okay, teach me what i got to learn, and I'll take care of it. And the receiving aspect of it, the touchdown reception in Cincinnati where he literally took the ball off the crack of the dude's ass. That is so freaking impossible. It's it's impossible for a wide receiver who catch in, you know, a, you know on a bad day a wide receiver is going to catch 50 to 60 passes in a practice in a practice. What's Nick Chubb to, never did that about. That was what, that, insane. Yeah, the, the first for, first and foremost, whatever anyone questioned his pass catching ability, that should have ended that conversation right there. But one of the funniest things to me about Nick Chubb is is on this team where you you in this draft class to a certain point you got all these personalities Baker Mayfield obviously and Antonio Callaway and and uh, these guys I I doubt there's a single person out there listening to this who can think of a single soundbite from Nick Chubb like he's on a team with Demarius Randall with your bro peppers and all these guys who talk you know, this guy is one of the most quiet, unassuming, humble guys. He just goes in there and, and does his thing. Um, and, and, you know, on the field, he, he says quite a bit. But off the field, he, he's almost like – not. and I don't mean this to sound negative. But it's almost like he's a mute. He just sort of goes in there and just kills you for 60 minutes. Then he comes off the field and you never hear from him again. It, yeah, it's – you know, um, it, that's obviously with the old school mentality and the nickname apparently that he has. I mean, it's just – you know, and look, these are – and we talked about this though. I remember talking about this with Jairi Alexander last year. 
you know, why we wanted him. Because you need some guys who want to run their mouths. Because you're going to play teams who run their mouths. And it's just, you either can or you can't. And there's guys who just don't talk on the field. And there's guys who, I mean, because it's kind of like a little mini rap battle. It's, if you suck, you're not going to do it. If you're really good, you're never going to not stop doing it. So, you know, if you're going to be a better team, you need some guys who can, you know, bark back at these dudes when you're in these games against these teams. Nick, no, nah, he's never going to be that guy. <laughs> Nick just ain't that guy, man. Well, what's funny is is I went to the mini camp and and they you know it was this coaching thing and they had Todd Kitchens talk to the these group of coaches after the practice and you know at the time he's just the running backs coach assistant head coach and he talked about Nick Chubb and basically said you know everything he does you just is called him Todd again, dude. Yeah, you just Fr- called him Fred. Todd again. Fred, Freddy. God damn, everybody's Todd. There's seven thousand Todds. Anyway, Freddie <laughs> Kitchens. Uh, talks about Nick Chubb and basically just says uh, everything he does is violent. This was the first day of minicamp, and and you know, given where this whole thing's gone, where he's become the offensive coordinator, um, I, it shouldn't. I guess it shouldn't be surprising that the second he got in there, um, that he sort of unleashed this dude on the world, uh, and, and and just absolutely adores him. But yeah, I mean, he's so maybe a second golden goose. Yeah, I mean, look, those are, right now. <laughs> that, that's good stock to buy. It's good stock to buy into. Right. Like, well, I mean, it's like right now, don't get me wrong. You're excited about guys like Antonio Callaway. You're excited about guys like David Njoku. You're excited about all these things. But if you're sitting there trying to say, what is the Cleveland Browns offense? You're saying first, Baker Mayfield, second, Nick Chubb. That's just where it's at, which is, you know, certainly exactly what you want from your these 12 to, th- 12 to 13 out of 16 Sundays next year that's going to be your recipe you know there'll be a couple games where it gets fluky and you get down early but your recipe going in at 19 is Baker and Nick everything you know everybody else is moving parts right so I mean don't get me wrong they've got guys who could be great but those those are the guys who are, are, are stirring the drink and and I maintain look don't, don't get me wrong Baker Mayfield is the franchise but I think this offense took just another big step when they made the move from when Baker Mayfield was the starting quarterback to when they added Nick Chubb to that, and it just sort of opened everything else up. And then once Freddie Kitchens took over, you sort of saw, you know, everything come to fruition, and now they they started just putting up stupid numbers uh, for the offense the whole year. So that's the identity of this Cleveland Browns offense, and obviously you and I, you know. For for all the information we don't have, so certainly why we both love the idea of, of of Freddie Kitchens being here in some capacity. And and this is one I said last night to Mark Schofield is, I love that Freddie and look I mean a couple of the most impressive things were going to the offensive line, guys give me some of your best running plays. What do you guys like to run best? You know going with Baker and you know like Mark Schofield when we talked about this last night was. You know, give me some stuff that you like. And even if you did it last year in Oklahoma, let's let's bring in maybe some of those concepts. But it just shows that you are there for your guys. Um, the other one, obviously, I mean, the production and everything that went on there, ridiculous as well. But one thing I mentioned last night, guys, we listened to it with Mark Schofield, is I said, oh, everybody gets some run. I mean, you know, Dontrell Hilliard, we just talked about this earlier, me and Pete, before we went on. You know, had almost nine yards, uh, nine, uh, nine receptions for 100 yards this year. Uh, called a trick play where your third string tailback threw the ball. I mean, everybody seemed to get a little run with Freddie. And that's what, it, look, I mean, guys understand their role players. 
But if they know that they're coming in on Tuesday to start their work week, and somehow, some way, he's going to try to call their number once on Sunday, that that keeps these role players being more than role players. They want to be in on this, man. They understand that you know you're scoring, you know, anywhere from 25 to 30 points a week. Everybody's got a shot at getting something, and it just it makes all 53 show up for work week day in day out, ready to go. Right. So so let's. You know, as far as Nick Chubb goes, let's roll this thing forward. Nick Chubb is is going to be a great runner. He is. That's just what he is. He's. Uh, this is who he's been probably since he he put on pads, put the ball in his hands. He's going to make people miss or run through them or whatever. But you give this dude an off season, and I he's never going to be Marshall Falk, but he doesn't have to be either. But if you get like thirty receptions out of this guy, you know. And he adds that element to his game, and it's it's not to say you know obviously he showed you a little taste of what he can do as a receiver this year, and and the screen game could be bigger. But I mean, like with the Bengals catch and all that stuff, if you get to a point where now he's a guy that defenses are sitting there going, he caught like this year he caught twenty passes. Let's say you double that next year, and and you have it to the point where defenses are worried about him. Anywhere on the field, they have to be aware of him all the time, and the amount that sort of opens up with this offense, um, you know. And in addition to, I, you know, it's remarkable in a lot of ways that Nick Chubb has been as good as he is, and and, and in some ways, you could almost make the case that back ass words uh, <laughs> that that Todd Haley and Hugh Jackson helped him out by sitting him those first however many games, just because of um, what goes into making a championship run in college, then immediately going into the draft process and everything that goes in that. And then, you know, basically going from draft process right to minicamp. And there's almost like, it's almost like a 20 month straight grind um, that now, you know, as much as he should have been the running back from the word go, it may have almost benefited him just because he gets his body a break a little bit. But now having made it through all that, this is probably the most rest Nick Chubb will have gotten for the better part of two years and getting his body right and making that, you know, making the adjustments to improve in a year two. uh, You know, I don't, you know, thousand yards, um, obviously he was bummed. He, he got it and lost it. I, I don't think a thousand yards is going to be a problem. He stays healthy. I, I think he's going to be flirting with something to the neighborhood of at least total yards. Uh, and, and, you know, he, he got close to, uh, 1150. I, I think he's going to be a guy who's going to be easily over 1500 yards total next year. Yeah. I, I don't really see an issue with that because, um, if you plug in the pieces on defense, now they'll be more, you know, like because it was weird, you know, they were all, you know, there were probably a couple, a couple games where you know they won going away. So you know, like the two Bengal games, you know, their defense was on the field a lot when it shouldn't have been. I mean, those are games where he's going to get eight to ten gimme carries, and there's going to be more games going to the fourth quarter next season where the Browns are up double digits. So you're not going to really toss the pill all over the place. You're just going to try to close it out. So I, you know, I, I would say fifteen. I, I, that's you know 15 10 plus touchdowns easily is going to be easily attainable number um and duke johnson 
it seems weird, but I guess it's going to be, you know, for however many years in a row, it's almost like you want to give his season an incomplete because you know there's so much more there, but nobody seems in, you know, there were times where it happened with Freddie too. It seems times where it just, He's just not a thought process in, the, in any game plan. It's just weird. So with, when it comes to Duke Johnson, it has to start with Todd Haley. And what Todd Haley did to Duke Johnson, in a sense, you know, whatever you want to call it, it wasn't his type or whatever, was a crime against football. Um, Which is weird, so, I mean, because he came from Le'Veon Bell. So Duke Johnson was kind of your receiving side of Le'Veon Bell. Right. Um, so, but if you look at like the past last month of the year, five touches against the Ravens, uh, eight touches against the Bengals, eight touches against the Broncos, only two against the Panthers. There's something in there where you got to find eight to ten touches for this kid a game. He's just too good, and and this is. You know, the Randy ratio, you need like a, a Duke track counter. He, you know, he de- he deserves it. He does. He deserves. Have well, this, and this is part. This is part of the problem. Is is you know, in the off season, they're gonna and obviously, I imagine they were doing this during the season. Is they're gonna self scout and, and 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 it's gonna sound like we're beating up on Jarvis Landry, but <laughs> you're gonna have to look at it and go. There were 149 targets we tried to put here when they reevaluate and go well there's no there's no justifying this where are those touches those targets going to go a ton of them need to go towards duke johnson they just do he just does too much he is a basically a lock to make one guy miss every time he touches the ball and whether you want to hand it to him or whatever i've heard people make the argument he should be a receiver personally i think you don't mess with him because he can line up anywhere uh, and I think you need to sort of embrace that. And I, and I think the last person to really do that with him was, was Filippo when he was here that just said, look, there's this kid. I can put him anywhere on the field. I can get him the ball any way I can, and he's going to do stuff. And you find more ways, and, 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 and uh, Kitchens did this in some games, is just put them both on the field, both he and Chubb, and let the defense freak out trying to figure out what they're going to do with them. And let that sort of help your offense, and maybe that just needs to, in some in some part, just be your offense. I mean, it's tough and it's weird because look now you have Nick, who's you know obviously going to come in as a full time back. Look, but yeah, I, I, I there's no way. I mean, he needs he gives you the capability of catching ninety plus passes a season. Obviously, you don't need that with the way your offense works with Baker Mayfield because. Guys, we've gotten over this. It's the open guy that's who's going to get the ball. So it's, but it, it, it's such a tough spot, and and it, it just sucks that I feel like there's weeks where he's so underutilized, and you go back afterwards, you're like, man, well, you know, maybe if Duke was used better, and then there's times where you know he has a great week. I don't know. Just there has to be a ratio for Duke Johnson week in week out. I 100 well, agree with that. Well, think about it this way: if you look at what Nick Chubb is. Uh, and, and you look at Duke Johnson, and you think back to what the Browns were when they were success, you know, super successful. You've had this type of player as a guest on your pod. Like this screams Eric Metcalf to me. Yep. Like figure this out. Like there's just so much you can do with a player like Duke Johnson, and and he can do things and and add more 
uh, in, in the game. And, I, and, 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 and the way I give them credit for this is how they use Landry was moving around. And a lot of people try to give you this crap about he was double. He was three out. He moved the time. He's playing as a wing because that would allow him to a get free releases and b block because he's really good at it and give you sort of everything you could do with him. You can do those type of things with Duke where he can be in the backfield. They can run just a traditional shotgun with two backs, or they can split him out and do all those things and try to isolate him and get him in funky matchups and let him cause problems. And you know, and and I think. Let's, you know, if it's not Todd Haley, which it's obviously not going to be, whenever they get the coaching staff sorted out, whoever it is will have an offseason to sort of figure this out. And part of the problem is I think for the most of the offseason, Todd Haley was thinking, well, this isn't really what I want to do. So they didn't really do it. And hopefully whoever they get in here, you know, if it's Kitchens or whoever is sitting there going, man, I've got this guy. We didn't do, you know, nearly enough with him. Why am I, you know, I've got to figure out, you know, it, through camp and through all this stuff, I've got all this time to plan. I want basically going to spend a whole bunch of time just figuring out how to get Duke Johnson the ball. For me, and it, this is just the first one that comes to my head is, you know, like you say, with the shotgun scenario or a two-back scenario, and who cares, even if it's from under center? Play action to Nick Chubb and then do whatever with Duke from there. Run some verts. I mean, there's so much you can do with it. And I think Duke and Nick can kind of play off each other a little bit. But, uh, you guys, this has been the running back section here. Uh, you know, look, obviously, uh, the Carlos High experience was fun. Um, <laughs> Nick Chubb, uh, you have a lunch pail guy wrapped in a athletic guy, uh, a guy who visits the weight room every day. Uh, this is the kind of guy you're going to bet on to be your tailback as the years go on. Uh, you know, the like I keep saying, the old school nickname, got to love it 100%. Uh, Duke Johnson, it, it, you know, Duke's a really good player, and he's going to play a really long time in this league because the fact that you know he's still not getting nearly the uses that he should. So you know, God bless Duke Johnson. Hope and hope I hope he ends up making forty, fifty million in this league, where teams keep underappreciating him and he plays running back to lose 35, 36, 37 years old. But it does seem weird when you have a valuable asset in Duke Johnson, you do not use him. The Locked On NFL Podcast, Matt Williamson. Uh, Monday through Friday puts out you know consistent solid lineup for you. Monday you get hosts, uh, you know such as myself, locked on Patriots, locked on Giants, whatever. Those hosts, you know, obviously you'll be more playoff specific this week on Match Show. Uh, you get Sage Rosenfels on Tuesdays for offensive analysis. You get Mike Renner on Wednesdays from Pro Football Focus. You get Mike Sando from ESPN with Matt Williamson on Thursday, and then Friday Matt will break down all the games for you, give you picks. You use mybookie.com. The Locked On NFL Podcast with Matt Williamson, guys. If it is not in the rotation, by all means, get it in it now. All right, Pete, we're going to hit some playoff talk here. Uh, I guess we'll go through these games in order. Um, I guess, well, this is where we start off. We start off in Houston. Colts, Texans. It seems so underwhelming for the rest of what the AFC has to offer. Uh, Colts are hot. You know, Texans, for the most part, have played solid. Interesting one. This may be the best game of the, the of the matchup. I mean, these are the two best Sundays of the year, are, you know, in terms of playoffs. And they're not even mm-hmm. close. You get four games both Saturday and Sunday. Um, you get the most weirdness to happen. Uh, but I love I, – I, you know, I don't love the Texans. I don't – I mean, Deshaun Watson is fun. Um, but I do enjoy watching the Colts. 
they've got a defense that features a bunch of relative no-name guys. Uh, you know, Margus Hunt is a guy who's like being really productive for them. Like they they don't have a lot of stuff. Playing players. tackle at an odd size that he is. Yeah, I mean, Darius Leonard is the guy in terms of recognizable star power, and he's a rookie, and he just made All-Pro. Congrats to him. But, you know, obviously the the defensive coordinator there is a guy of speculation for the Browns um, as a potential head coach, Matt Eberflus, I, I, assuming that's how to pronounce his name. Um, that that has a little bit of extra juice for the Browns, just – you know, if you're if you're a fan sitting there going, well, you know, if nothing else, the playoffs are an opportunity to sort of really focus on games and watch potential coaches. Colts defense against the Houston offense should be interesting and to see how they deal with it as opposed to how the Browns dealt with it, um, which wasn't well. Flip side is Andrew Luck and this offensive line and Quentin Nelson, who's a fantastic. Uh, Guard and, and all right, we're gonna got. stop you right there. Quentin Nelson, um, Quentin Nelson, graduate of my high school. So for a guy I've known and I've talked with Quentin's mother for years. Fantastic family, fantastic young man, um, NFL rookie. Obviously, you know, drafted extremely high where he should have been, all pro out of the gate. Uh, it, it, it's just cool. It's cool for my high school, but uh, for a really really good kid from a really good family. Dude, it's just it's just awesome to see. And the funniest thing is watching him play like he plays because that ain't the guy he's like off the field. He's a forklift. I mean, he he you no, know there's dirtiness like, to him, but there's dirtiness to him. But he he's just he, there's such a really good family. So I think like maybe for him that's like where the aggression comes out. Like I gotta get it out. I gotta get it out. You know what I'm saying? Here's where I can do it. But a really really good guy and great family off the field. So just thrilled and thrilled for the alma mater, of course. Well, it's like it's like Joel Batonio, and, and if Austin Corbett becomes super su- successful, if you ever mm-hmm. listen to these guys or talk to these guys, and then you see what they do on the football field, you're sort of like, what? But yeah, I mean, he's he's a phenomenal player. Uh, looks like Larry Allen uh, drafted high, like Bill Fralick, uh, who recently passed away. Yeah. Um, that that you know, this is not you know when people were worried about picking uh guards in the top 10 after the, the Jonathan Cooper and uh Ch- and Chance Warmack didn't work out uh Quentin Nelson is sort of restoring your faith in the idea that you, you you can take a guy that high and get the impact and 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 but the the Colts offense is just fun they've got a couple bunch of young offensive linemen Andrew Luck is back uh, playing arguably as well as he ever has, and it just makes for a great matchup in Houston. Colts beat them recently, uh, so this should be. I think this ends up being the most interesting matchup. Obviously, you know, not everybody's sitting there jazzed about a third game between you know divisional opponents, but you know the third game uh, makes it interesting. I, I expect. For the two fan bases in particular, all seventeen, you know, of them, that uh, this this is you know this is sort of a blood you know blood rivalry type thing. This is where you know this is where those rivalries really get born, is that third matchup in the playoffs. Yeah, for me, I guess if Houston's going to win, they better win early, because I think when we look at Andrew Luck and being back, it's always been the thing that he can take care of all business. Until it comes to the Patriots, and that's usually where it's ended. So uh, you know, if Houston cannot get out early, and I have my doubts about whether or not they're going to be able to, 
because this Colts offensive line, they've been clean, and Andrew Luck you know, does not take a lot of hits. And we, Pete, look, we went back to this. What did we talk about when the Browns went down there? Oh, my God, Baker Mayfield, pretty God, he comes home in one piece. And their offensive line was able to get it done. And this Colts offensive line, this has been their MO now. And, you know, the really, you know, unless Houston goes crazy nuts with their blitz package, they know these pass rushers and they know them well. They shouldn't match up well. So, I mean, I don't know. I I, I think, I, I just think Andrew Luck's back. Uh, Marlon Mack, uh, you know, whether or not T.Y. Hilton's a factor. I know he's a little bit banged up. Uh, Eric Ebron. Yeah, but speaking of, you know, there's a lot of Lions fans who killed that guy for four or five years. Four. Uh, and and uh, are sitting there wondering, wow, look at this guy. And, and you know. I always he, liked him, but I think that the, the things were he was going to drop some passes. He was never going to be an elite blocker. But he had everything to show you that he could really be a force if you knew how to use him in the passing game and you could live with drops. Oh, now, who does that sound like to you? Hmm. So that's, Where's that's 85? Well, well, yeah, I mean, that's sort of the thing. Like, if you're one of these people who's like, and, and I, I think it's lessened quite a bit, especially this last month, but if you're one of the people who's super critical of David Njoku, this is, this is the guy to sort of watch and say, this is why you stick with these guys, because the athleticism and that body type, uh, you know, you find the right guy for them. In this case, you know, Andrew Luck, new 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 town. And, and I think Eric Ebron has been pretty honest about how much it bothered him to play in Detroit and have that much negativity around him all, all the time. And, and it, He whereas, didn't draft himself at nine overall. They did. And then, you know, you add that element of, you know, he – you know, for for the Colts, it's he he doesn't have that baggage. Like everybody's sort of fresh with him, and it's mostly just positive energy. And I think that's sort of helped him a little bit. That sort of helped become, you know, allowed him to sort of blossom. And I think there's an element of that where you sort of have to lay off a little bit. And it doesn't mean you can't be honest in that, but it's you know, it goes back to the whole thing of people hassling Jarrell Peppers off the field. Uh, don't do that stuff and let these guys sort of figure it out. Uh, and, and this is a guy who's obviously it's taken him to a second team, but now, now you're in a playoff game and now he's a huge problem for the Texans. Well, and the thing is, you know, it, it, they've used him well cause they, they'll put him on crossing routes where most of the time the coverage is coming from behind him. He played basketball. I mean, he's a good size and, you know, look and, and credit to him. He's being a lot more reliable with actually catching the ball. Um, but me, guys, I will take. Uh, I'm going to take the Colts there. I just, I just, I, I like the hot streak they're on. Marlon Mack, Eric Ebron. We're going to move into the night game. Um, Seahawks at Cowboys. Right off the bat, Pete. Th- to me, this plays out like a game that's close up until late, and then Russell Wilson's just going to Russell Wilson. If you know Prescott doesn't get lost in the moment, it just feels like Russell Wilson. They're going to sneak out of there with a field goal win late. Um. All right, I'm going the other way on this, and it's oh. be- and it's because I don't trust Seattle's offensive line against Dallas. Uh, I-, I think Russell Wilson could quit playing right this second, and he's a Hall of Famer. He's unbelievable. And when I did my thing of quarterbacks, I'd take over Baker Mayfield. He's one of the four I came up with. He's absolutely ridiculous. I don't think Dak Prescott is particularly good. However, 
Demarcus Lawrence is really good. They have and and you know as long as he doesn't pop a test by exactly you know, tomorrow, Lunch. Randy Gregory is at least a problem. Um, so, I, I you know the thing is, and I think Chris Carson helps uh, quite a bit. And offense offensive line has been better this year since they since they got rid of uh, the offensive line coach from last year, uh, the legend himself. But <laughs> I do think that uh, that Dallas has just a little too much uh, in the on the defensive side and that front seven for this one, and I think they they can outlast. Uh, and and, and I, I, like I said, I love Russell Wilson, but I, I do think Dallas is going to get a key turnover uh, and and be able to sort of pound the ball enough that it's going to be that I, that I think Dallas will take this at home against the Seahawks. I mean, one thing I'm going to say here, Pete, and this is just, look, I mean, sometimes with the playoffs, look, I mean, different guys emerge. And just a name I'm going to throw out there, Rashard Penny. Um, not really much run at all as a rookie running back. So, you know, like you said earlier, where Nick Chubb got a lot of rest and got acclimated very nicely before he got his breakout. Do you maybe throw Rashard Penny out there and, you know, you know, hope that, you know, I mean, the legs should be there. It's worth a shot. Well, I mean, look, it's winter go home. So if you got something to, but I mean, if you've you know, got if you've got a twenty two year old running back with really that's what fresh I mean. legs, you, yeah, I mean, if it, you've it's got something, to if if you think Rashad Penny's going to give you an edge here, run them both. I mean, the, the like it, it, the best thing you can do is keep the ball away from Dallas and Ezekiel Elliott, and and the the, the idea that they're going to try to both teams, I think, are going to try to keep the ball. As long as they can in this one, uh, I think obviously Seattle has a little more explosive potential. But I think you know, I think the the, the idea here is going to be trying to keep the opposing defense on the field and wear them down as much as possible. So if Penny is a way for S- Seattle to do that and supplement Carson, so you've always got fresh legs on the field with some size. I mean, they're both big guys. Then absolutely, it, it you know. Maybe a strategy, and you know, and then it'll be the do you get home on Russell Wilson? Because you know nobody gets out like kind of like Russell Wilson does. We're gonna shift over on a Sunday, guys. Um, Chargers at Ravens. Pete, I don't think this is gonna be close. Um, I, I would think this would benefit Baltimore more if they didn't go into LA two weeks ago, win a game, and look, they shot all their bullets. There's not much you can add to this Ravens offense right now. And we've talked about this tremendous disservice they're doing to Lamar Jackson, but I mean you're not bringing anything new here. And did Cleveland maybe gave the Chargers something to say? Hey, oh, so we can go deep. All right, no problem. We'll go deep. Um. So for me, this the the biggest part of this is Philip Rivers has to not press because he's sitting there worried about what people are saying, and this is his last big shot to make it, and all this stuff. And then he goes out there and throws like three picks in the first half type thing. Like it's he's so weird that they're on the road in this game, though. Look, I mean, I know that they're the wild card and Baltimore won the division, but I mean, they're a damn good football team. They should not be playing on the road this week. Right? Yeah. I mean, I look, mean, the numbers will bite you in the ass sometimes. Sure. I, I mean, this this unfair uh, to the idea that. But I think at the same time, it'll actually make it a closer game. But <laughs> I, I tend to agree with you. So long as Philip Rivers can – it's basically him controlling his emotions and being able to sort of stay in, stay steady here, 
that I think he'll have a great game where he may not come out uh, crushing it initially, but he ends up with something like 350 yards uh, because he they, they wear them down, find holes, and, and, and make plays, especially in the second half. If they can basically avoid killing themselves early, I think I think the Chargers can win this pretty pretty handily. Uh, the question's going to be for the for the, for them: Do they ha- have the Ravens sort of figured out a way to use all the stuff they've been showing the past three weeks and be able to do something else off of it? Because I agree with you. I think I think they've basically shown who they are to this point. So maybe. Uh, that's it, and and they had to win the game against the Browns. That that doesn't help if you're trying to sort of hide something that you had to win all those games with the Chargers sort of, you know, wanted home field and all that, that stuff. But we're basically – we're in a position where they could maybe save a few things. And Melvin Gordon is not on the injury report anymore. Presumably he may be sore, but he's at least healthy. I, I just think the, the Chargers have too many – too many, too many options here, and the Charger or the the Ravens. Like I said, maybe they've got something they haven't shown that that they they can bust out. But I really think the Chargers are in in just a, a much better position in terms of being able to sort of save their their bullets, save their their tricks or whatever to this game. And the Ravens have sort of already had to show them everything, and 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 I don't, I think they they may have run the risk of maybe being a little emotionally spent. Yeah, and that's, I mean, what are you bringing at this point? Um, You know, look, I mean, you're limiting Lamar Jackson. You're not really doing so much from the pocket. Um, A lot of them are quick pop reads to the tight ends. A lot of her, you know, him taking some depth, rolling right, rolling left. Um, John Brown is, you know, who's a guy that can, you normally, you know, if you have a, you know, consistent quarterback where you're, you know, asking him, you're giving him downfield opportunities, but they're not doing that with Lamar. You know, John Brown can flip the field. He would be a guy maybe to look for in this if they can find a way to get him incorporated. And maybe you know where because John Brown's like a, a three for a ninety guy. He's not a you know a seven for eighty. A, you know, a couple of chunk plays from John Brown. Maybe that's something they could bring into this. But I, I think we you know I think what they're going to run tomorrow. You know, if the Chargers have seen ninety percent. They're going to look at the Browns film. They're going to see ninety percent there. At best, maybe they can bring ten percent of change to this. For me, this is my most confident game this week. Uh, I think LA is going to win this game easily. Pete, we're going to go to the 440 affair. And uh, the Eagles, you know, bing, bang, bong, snuck their way in, headed out to Chicago. Chicago, now a lot of pressure on them, you know, hosting a home playoff game. You know, Trubisky, you know, is the defense all 100%? Because, look, you, Camille, Khalil Mack could ride them to a Super Bowl if he gets really hot. You could see six sacks in three games. So, I don't know how this one plays out. This is probably, for me, this is the toughest game to figure out this weekend. I have no idea how either offense is going to score any points. That's <laughs> that's sort of my problem here. Is, is uh, If I'm the Eagles, I'm certainly not afraid of, of Mitch Trubisky throwing the ball. Um, and they're playing at a really high level lately. At the same time, the Eagles... Def- or the the Bears defense is lights out. I mean, everybody talks about Cleo Mack and deservedly. Akeem Hicks is an absolute monster, um, and, and certainly Nick Foles has played incredibly well the last few weeks. But he also left last week with some more sore ribs, and Lord knows the Bears are a team that can do more than that. So mm-hmm. 
I think this is this is a matchup where points are going to come at a premium. Um, and, and I'll be curious because both teams have coaches that are not afraid to run trick plays. And I'm going to be curious to see which team runs more of them and which team is more successful. Because I think if one of these one of these offenses can – or it could be in special teams too. Um, one of these teams can get a big play – off something that could really break this open because I think points are going to come at a premium. And I think opportunities to score are going to be few and far between for both of these teams. I like it's in Chicago, but it could be in Philadelphia and you'd have the same problem. It's not going to be, it's not like it's in a dome somewhere. It's, it's not great weather. It's, you know, everything about this just suggests uh, it's going to be a lot of defense, a lot of low scoring, few opportunities. So of course it's going to be like 45, 43, uh, but I, I, I feel better about Philadelphia winning this game than I feel about Dallas beating Seattle. Yeah, this one is. I, a- and I, honestly, I think the last thing that really comes out, I, I just think that Philadelphia is is more comfortable. Yes, they're more comfortable in their skin in this in this setup than the Bears. Like even last year when they went to the playoffs, it wasn't a given that they were going to run run the table in the playoffs. They obviously had a bunch of adversity to come over, overcome with, uh, with, uh, with their quarterback going down, but they, they didn't exactly like, you know, it wasn't a given that they were going to roll. It was, could they really do it? And, and, and in some ways they're comfortable in this spot where everything with this for the bears feels new and that's hard to get over. But it certainly helps the bears in that standpoint that they're at home for that part. But I do think the Eagles, I have them slightly. I have them slightly favored in this one. Well, and I'll go back to this. I mean, look, the Falcons had what fourth and goal from the eight, and they had four shot. I mean, I'm sorry, first and goal from the eight, four shots to close it out, and they didn't. So you know, Philadelphia walked off the win. Like that is that, that's like a statement win because you're learning how to win in the biggest of scenarios, guys. Which is kind of what we're hoping for. Because uh, look, this time a year from now. We don't want to be doing pregame shows about playoff games that the Browns are not involved in. I don't want to talk about other playoff games. We're going to talk about Browns playoff games. Uh, Pete, it's been a blast, man. We hit a bunch here. Um, yeah, I, I hope you're ready because once I release this, the uh, Landry folks are going to be all up in you again. You know that, right? No, I'm all for it by all means. But like I said, tweet tweet at the Lockdown Browns account. You have a choice between take CC money out of it. at Pete Smith. And yeah, you can include me on there. You have a choice between having one of two players on the Browns next year, Jarvis Landry or Breon Bowdy Calhoun. And I'll be fascinated to see how many people have a tough time with this and pick Bowdy Calhoun. Well, there we go, guys. Um, Guys, read all the work over at uh, NFL Spin Zone. Guys, I will stand up for Pete. Guys, he puts himself out there with everything he writes, everything he tweets. And look, you know, we had some fun today on Twitter. And, you know, some guy kind of busting Pete's chops. And then I just did one quick search and found out he was a Carlos Hyde guy. So, look, guys, people are going to miss. We're all going to miss. And especially, you know, Pete's got to take, what, two to 300 swings a year on guys between the Browns and, you know, between draft guys. This is the way it works. You know, so, but factor in the W's and, you know, like, and, like, rate them. Like, was that a big W? Was that a really big W? Because, you know, Pete, I'll bust his chops and I'll pick on him. And something. You know, I just want to hit him with a stick sometimes. But, uh, you know. What was the one concern? And here's the one. Look, I guess you know. It's Baker. It's Chubb. Uh, Jannard Avery. We both really like Denzel Ward. 
Pete, what was the both one thing we were both concerned with Denzel Ward about? Oh, it's his frame. It's you know. The, oh, and how would he hold up? And look, and it sucks. You know, I love the player, everything about him, but that is something that's been an issue: is Denzel Ward's frame. So I mean, look, I mean, you guys want to take one miss here and there? That's fine, but please at least magnify the wins. And even Denzel Ward, look, both love the player, but we told you this was a concern. And it's, Jairi gave you sixteen, and he was he was good. Yeah, 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 he did. But that, that look, I am all for it today because Joel Petonio made second team All Pro. Miles Garrett made second team All Pro. Those are both my guys. So by all means, I'm 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 feeling good today. So by all, you get get your shots in because those those guys, you know, those guys are firmly in in my on my record, and and Joel knows Joel knows exactly how badly I wanted him, and I had him at 35th pick. So have at it. Don't ask him where I put him on the line, though, because anything he says about that is true, but don't listen. Hogwash. Absolute. Total crap. Um, But, guys, uh, always a pleasure. Uh, You got a real long one here for me and Pete Smith. We uh, Look, guys, we gave you like 10, 15 minutes on Jarvis Landry. We went and did the running back review for the season. Uh, You know, look, I mean, obviously, you know, Hyde is gone. Glad to get a pick for him. Nick Chubb, obviously your future tailback here for quite a while. Duke Johnson, there's still more ways to utilize him. Obviously, we gave you some playoff thoughts, um, guys. Uh, maybe we'll get together. Uh, we'll, you know, we'll give you something out here. Maybe you know, Sunday night somewhere that after the playoff weekend. Got a lot of things in the hopper for the off season. Uh, you know, he'll be on a ton. You know, because draft talk is where we really get to bust each other's chops, and we're gonna have some fun with that. But uh, follow Pete Smith over on his zone. Like I said, the Locked On Browns Twitter account. Always give a follow there. Follow back account at Jeff LJ underscore Lloyd. Uh, go ahead, follow me over there. iTunes rating reviews. Uh, Instagram. Uh, Twitter, the Lockdown NFL Not Account, guys. Great stuff for you to follow as we go through this playoff weekend. Enjoy it. It's fun when it's solo games. You know, bang, 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 back and forth. So you're going to get you know, four games within almost 24 hours. Uh, enjoy the weekend for me, like Pete said, and next weekend too. You know, I love the way this slate of games goes through. Enjoy every second of it. And guys, uh, we'll be back soon, as we always say. LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns.